0: The A-List Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network.
1: Welcome into the A-List Podcast. Clearly unfinished business will continue for the Boston Celtics. The last time we spoke, we weren't even sure if they were going to make it past the last round, but here they are, the Celtics headed once again to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm Kwoni Lunas, joined by H.R. Blakely and Gary Washburn. Another episode, another day remains in the Celtics season. How are you two? <laughs> How are you
0: two holding up, first of all? Because I know you're tired. <laughs> I'm good. I'm great. I'm refreshed. I'm, I'm, it's a new season. Every time you go from one refreshed. round to the next, it's like a new season. The okay. Celtics, they have life. They have liberty. They have the pursuit of better team. Let's get it. Okay, that was very clever. I'm not even going to hold you. Oh, no, Gary. i like, no, come on.
1: <laughs> It was corny. I didn't know where it was
0: corny going. And then very, he's pursuit of yeah, he said, for sure, so, he'd not creative. has no literary style um, whatsoever.
2: I'm but. good. You know, another series was very exciting. I think, you know, everybody uh, was uh, <laughs> another... It was very compelling, and we'll see how this next series comes up, but the Celtics will... They're not exciting. if any, They're excited about anything else, so we'll see how exciting this next series gets, but... um a good way to end for them a good way to end that that series with a dominating fashion.
1: Yeah, let's recap game 7 versus Philly. They advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals as we mentioned 112-88. Jason Tatum with a 51 piece, Jalen Brown with 25, Joel Embiid with 15. James Harden, the one that everyone questioned why he only had 9 points and went 3 for 11 from shooting, but I can't even ask who stood out because obviously it was Jason Tatum, but what do you think this performance says about maybe what he's heard being said about him over the last few games, but also
0: how he's going to perform, hopefully, for the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know how much of a connection we can make between what he did in Game 7 and what he'll do against Miami because it's a different team, different matchup, different types of defenders that he'll be dealing with. But what it does tell you without question is that uh, when the Celtics absolutely needed him, when there was, no, there, there was no margin for error, there was no margin for mediocrity, he rose to the moment. Uh, he rose to the moment in a way that he had not done at that point in the postseason, And he has to certainly be given, you know, credit for rising to the occasion like that, but, but don't get it twisted. Uh, Jason Tatum, uh, it's not going to give you a 51 piece every single game against Miami. Miami's a, a better team defensively than that to allow that to happen with any kind of consistency. But the things that Tatum was able to do, the way that he was able to reach into his bag and give you the mid range, give you the drive and finish, the drive and kick, the three ball, the corner, three ball, the wing, three ball. He did a great job of diversifying his, his game offensively, made great decisions, Uh throughout the course of the game and made the game look easy, which is something that Tatum is one of the few players in the NBA does with a certain level of consistency. Because even before the breakout game, you know, Tatum was giving you like 26, 8, 9, 10 rebounds, 4, or 5 assists, which are good numbers. But when you are considered a top five player in the NBA, top 10 player in the NBA, that's just not good enough, particularly when your team isn't dominating a series the way many thought they would be. So uh, kudos to Tatum for stepping, so stepping his game up. Get it done on, on Mother's Day, which is no surprise. Because, uh, you know, my mama Tatum, she must be like, boy, you better go out there and ball out. he did not want to see anything other than a win. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, and much respect to him for stepping up and handling his business.
2: Yeah, I thought the Celtics um, were able to finish strong. I thought Joe Mazzula saved the series with a lineup change, um, putting Robert Williams in for game six. And then Tatum got hot in the last four minutes. And Tatum uh, obviously took over in game seven. You know, hopefully, if you're a Celtics fan, you hope your team learns something from this series. You know, the grueling uh, aspect of, of seven-game series, how you can't let go of the rope. There could be no more games like game five where you just don't play well and don't hustle and don't give 100% effort. Like, you know, you could lose the next series with that. So, um I think for them, this was a definite learning experience. I thought they would be a little bit more prepared considering what happened against Atlanta, thinking, okay, they they got caught off guard a little bit in that game five. It maybe got extended a little bit too long. I'm sure they'll be ready, but they weren't. They got lost game one, and that's why I think game one on Wednesday is the most important game in the series for the Celtics to make a statement. Do not let Miami come in here and sneak one and all of a sudden they got confidence. Um, so for me, uh, I think they come away with confidence. They got a couple of days rest, everybody's healthy. And now they can really try to, to make a run at this thing. Cause now the path is clear. You're facing the eighth seed. Um, you know, you're the best team left in the tournament. You know, I think Denver's close, uh, But, you know, whoever you face and you worry about the finals when you get to the finals. But uh, to me, I think that the Celtics, uh, hopefully for them, learned a lot and stepped up to the challenge. Tatum was was magnificent in game seven. And you hope that he can carry that to the next series.
1: Well, you cued me up perfectly because I was curious, what do you think went so well for Tatum in that game? And how does he pick up where he left off when he starts playing against
2: Miami? Well, for me, um, I just think he attacked. He went inside out like his first basket was a dunk. He didn't try to get, you know, lately he's really been trying to get going from three. I think Tatum wants to be a premium three-point shooter. He wants to be that guy that you just cannot guard. And a lot of that is hidden threes, being 28 feet away from the basket and boom, in your face, right? And he was cold. He's been cold from the three-point line. Now, he wasn't cold in game seven. He hit six of them. And he wasn't cold in the last four minutes of game six. He hit four of them. But before then, he was ice cold from the three-point line. And I think that led to his slow starts, lack of confidence, then not, you know, getting to the rim, getting stripped. Um, but in game seven, I just think he was fully confident. He challenged Embiid. He didn't make Embiid look like Mutombo or Wilt Chamberlain. Now, and beat at a great series defensively, I felt, made a lot of great blocks, but you still got to challenge him. So I think for Tatum, he went inside out, and then all of a sudden in the second half, the outside started working, and then he was unstoppable. He was getting to the rim, he was aggressive, he was finishing at the rim, getting to the free throw line, all the above. So Tatum needs to continue that momentum in game one. And we all know that Eric Spoelstra is going to come up with some kind of wacky defense, whether it's trapping him, just like Will Hardy did in Utah, where he trapped Tatum the whole game and Tatum points and didn't get any shots in the fourth quarter. Spoelstra is going to do something similar where there's going to be some type of quirky defense to stop him. They're not going to let him do what Philadelphia did. So he's got to be prepared for that. This is the next challenge. Uh, I, I think he's prepared. But uh, hopefully, him and Joe and the, the staff are collaborating on how to get him good looks. Uh, with when it's probably Cody Martin on him, and then um, or is it Caleb? Is it Caleb? I can't remember which Martin. Uh, I think it's Caleb. Uh, plays for the Heat. One he plays the Hornets. I think it's Caleb. Uh, is on him. Good. He's a very good defender. Jimmy's going to take some time on him. You know, he's probably going to have Bam on him. It stretches too he's got to figure out how to deal with what Miami's going to throw at him. Cause Miami is not going to just play one-on-one defense and let them beat him. Let them, could have, let him beat him.
1: It could have been the, the mentality of knowing that this is a game seven seasons on the line. But to your point, I was looking at, the, I was like tracking the shot chart and he did seem to just get comfortable in the paint by any means necessary. It seemed and essentially with that game, you realize wherever I can comfortably score, I need to do that. So hopefully he can keep that momentum as well, just looking into the fact that Miami's going to trap you, so you have to figure out the best way
0: to get to the rim. That's what the Celtics are going to need from him. Sean, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, well, the one thing he did a really good job was when he attacked, he didn't attack in traffic. That's where he gets in trouble, where he's trying to beat his man off the dribble, and there's two or three guys just waiting for him to try to finish at the rim, and they just poke the ball free. Uh, he's not getting the calls in those situations, because if you're a ref, and you look at him trying to score over three dudes after beating another guy, that's four guys he's trying to score on, and not passing the ball. And you're not going to be rewarded uh, more times than not when you're doing that. So he did a much better job of attacking individual matchups and taking what that matchup gave him. When Joel Embiid steps out from a three-point line to defend him, he's just simply going to beat him off the dribble. And if, he, if Joel is trailing close enough, he kicks it. If he blows by him, shoot the mid-range or finish at the rim over someone who's not going to block your shot. Uh, when he had a guard on him, he great movement without the ball. I thought the one thing he did a better job of in, in game seven was his movement when he didn't have the ball. Uh, there seemed to be purpose behind everything he did from a shot-taking standpoint, from a motion standpoint from getting others involved and you're going to need that against Miami because they will he's going to see two three zone he's going to see double team he's going to see blitz he's going to see tilt he's going to see every type of defensive configuration that you can imagine because Eric Spolcher is that dude when it comes to coaching Uh, and and so he's got to be prepared for that and that part of that preparation is having an aggressive mindset that you have he has to recognize the blitz, the double team before it gets there, and get the ball out quick so you can get it back or or get the ball out quick so that your teammate has a wide open shot, that's going to be absolutely imperative for him to break that Miami Heat defense down because if you're blitzing him the minute he touches the ball and he's kicking it to Jalen Brown, who's wide open, or he's kicking it to Marcus Smart, who's knocking down shots, or they're kicking it to one of those guys and they're doing a lob to Rob because Bam on a bio just was on the double team or Tatum, you're going to force Miami to have to adjust some things. And that's what you want to have happen if you're Tatum. You want to create an adjustments game for Miami uh, because they're going to have a very defined game plan, but you want to wreck havoc to that. And the best way he can do that is keep the ball moving. And and if they're not reacting to that, take advantage of the matchup edge that you have.
1: Okay, so let's move on because clearly Tatum did what he had to do. Silence some of the haters for now, but Jalen Brown, I would love to talk about him as well. What did you see from him in Game Six and Seven,
0: and how does he need to react for them to be successful versus the Heat? Steady, Jalen is Jay just—I mean, you just basically knock him, mark him down for 22 to 25 points every night. Uh, it really doesn't matter how, how he gets them because he's getting them in a lot of different ways. Uh, I think one of the things about Jalen Brown that hasn't really gotten a lot of attention is his three-point shooting. I mean, he is really knocking down the three ball i think he's shooting like 46 47 percent uh in the playoffs from three-point range and when he's able to do that and he's able to attack defenses uh they're going to be tough to beat Uh, i'm curious to see how they're going to go at bam uh because I, i think what they did in game seven where they had a lot of shots blocked but they had a lot of finishes at the rim too uh that i think has to be part of the game plan against miami You have a number of guys on that team defensively that, from an individual defending standpoint, are a little bit shaky. Uh, I like the chances of Jalen Brown when he's guarded by Max Stoops. I like what Tatum can do if he gets a switch, and it's Duncan Robinson that's trying to stop him. Uh, And they need to be smart enough to recognize when to attack those mismatches and when to use those mismatches to to take what what will be a good shot and turn it into a great possession, where a guy has like a wide open corner three. Those are the kind of things that they're going to have to make in the moment split decisions on. And I think they're ready for that, because I think game seven was the blueprint, if you're the Boston Celtics, of how, not just how you can play, but how you should approach the game. Uh, It's not going to be perfect, but if you're able to create the matchup that you want offensively, and you're solid defensively, you're going to be able to win this series, and you're going to be able to win it in short time.
2: Yeah, I think Jalen was, um, you know, he scored 25 points, but I thought he was active defensively. He, you know, got into a couple of altercations, the one at the bench with, you know, yelling at the bat at after at Georgia. George Niang kind of pulled his Wish knee.
1: George shouldn't have pulled his knee. Yeah, that re- should have re- been an ejection. I they didn't pull back that tech, the NBA.
2: I, I, um, no. I definitely didn't think that that just was a technical foul. I thought he should have been ejected for that. I thought it was a dirty play um Jalen kind of you know forgave him and kind of wrote it off after the game but I thought Jalen was really active in other phases of the game he was selective with his shooting because he knew it was Tatum's night and I liked what he said he said hey get out that man's way let that man put put the ball in the hoop I'll do whatever else it takes Tack the rim hit the occasional three um when Tatum is doubled uh you know hit the little short mid-range play defense get a couple of key rebounds, chase loose balls. Maybe he died for that ball um, in front of the Celtics bench. I think it was out on him, but, you know, him and P.J. Tucker, like that show desire. And I think we need to see more of that from the Celtics. Just like, listen, this is where it counts, right? No more, um, this is not the regular season. This isn't a, a Tuesday game against Minnesota. Like this is, these are the big game. When you set the tone for the game with your crowd for the series, when you start doing those type of hustle plays, diving for loose balls. That's how I mean, let's be honest. PJ Tucker saved the series with that three-point play in game four. Like the Sixers were on the ropes. He muscled, got the and one. That changed the game and changed the series, almost won in the series. Like, you know, um, and, and I'm and and the Celtics need that kind of grit and grind, especially against the Heat, because that's what they live off of. So, you know, we'll see how they approach game game one. On Wednesday, but I thought Jalen was solid, quality, perfect number two guy for that game because that's what they needed. They didn't need him to be a number one along with Jason. It was Jason's game scoring wise. But Jalen, hey, you 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 be fifty one. I I drop my twenty five. That's cool. You know, get a couple of boards, get a get a dunk, get some you know trash talk, draw a flagrant foul on James Harden. Just <laughs> hey, I'll do my part. You do your part. And they won. That was successful. That was a successful uh, recipe.
1: I really appreciated this game too because we talk about a lot on this pod about how there was the way that these two have been pitted against each other and can it work? And at it, Nazim, it, it's to a point where it doesn't seem as though people understand that until Game Seven, they, I think people are finally actually seeing that these two can actually play together and it can be productive. Not that it hasn't been before, but unfortunately, it took the season being on the line for people to finally wake up and say, oh my gosh, they're great together. They can figure it out. Even the fact that Jalen is okay with stepping back and letting Tatum do his thing. Like we've seen that all along, but for some reason, it's took like this game specifically for fans and other media outlets to understand. So, cause I read a headline today, which is why I'm saying this that I'm reacting to where I was like, we knew this don't all of a sudden wake up and realize that you can have two NBA all stars on your team and they'd be successful anyway i digress and we're welcoming you in a new
0: partner of the English podcast FactorMeals.com. during the prime spring season you need wholesome convenient meals to energize you for warmer more attractive days and keep you on track to reach your goals factor America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you feel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. As someone who spends a lot of time on the road, particularly this time of year in the playoffs, factor meals is exactly what I need. Often you don't have time to prepare your meals in advance and and go through all that process. Sometimes you just want to get a healthy meal, and you want to get a healthy meal in quick, no time uh, required to prep and things like that, and factor is exactly what you are looking for. With 34-plus chef-prepared, dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Oh, my, oh, my, this is sounding good. Want to budget this month by cutting back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. And here's the thing. The tip, you can tip yourself because you've earned it. Head to Factormeals.com slash A-List50 and use the code A-List50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code A-List50 at Factormeals.com slash A-List50 to get 50% off your first box.
1: On to Miami. The lowest seed still left in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler, 31.6.6 rebounds, 5.4 assists per game in the playoffs so far. He's been on fire at, no pun intended. But how do you think the Celtics could that was potentially stop? I that was well, bad. I realized when I said it, was it was bad. considered a pun. On fire. Oh said, god. No pun intended. Sorry.
2: Sorry, listeners. Sorry, viewers. That was <laughs> that's not us. Was it? <laughs> Flagrant, flagrant one. <laughs> not a flagrant one. Flagrant one. <laughs> yeah, we need to
0: get some free throws out of there. Look at
2: that again. Let's look at that again. We're Scott Foster. We Wait, don't need them. Here guys. comes Scott Foster. <laughs> I can't stand yeah. y'all. Here How comes do Scott. They Foster. Slow down, Jimmy. Butler. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry folks. That that is not us. So back to on fire, Jimmy Butler on the Miami <laughs> on fire. God. <laughs> Go ahead, Sherrod. Let's let's, let's continue. Okay. Jimmy Butler's
0: really good. Newsflash. No. Uh, Here's the thing about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has consistently been able to elevate his game in the most important part of the season, which is the playoffs. And that's why he is always going to make me a little bit queasy uh, because you know he has that ability to not only elevate his play, but get enough from his supporting cast so that he's in position to deliver the dagger. People forget about, you know, that game seven last year, you know, where the Celtics were up by 13 points with like maybe two, two and a half minutes to play, and Miami scored 11 straight. And Jimmy Butler said, I'm not going for the tie. I'm going for the, the W. Raises up on that three-pointer from the, from the wing. Al Horford is, is, you know, wisely making sure he gets back so that Jimmy doesn't get an easy bucket at, at the rim. And Jimmy recognizes this, pulls up for the three, which is pretty wide open. And it hits the front of the rim. Uh, and that was literally the difference in the game down the stretch. So you know this is a guy that not only has the ability to deliver, but he's got the cojones to take that shot. He is not afraid of that moment. And if you're the Celtics, you want to do everything you can to position yourself so that it doesn't come down to one possession. game. You don't want to get into Miami needs a bucket, the winner tie situation. You want to avoid them as much as you can. Because they have a guy that in those moments meets the moment and it often sends you home crying because you couldn't.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously brothers ahead of the snake. I mean, he is he 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 is said, hey, we're good. We're gonna we're gonna take this one. I mean, he's he is he is a guy that just is relentless. He's never gonna give up. He's a great player. We all know that. Um the question is, you know, have the heat, will they eventually run out of gas? And the thing is, they've got, you know- More
1: puns intended. Huh?
2: You need gas for heat. No, not run out of heat. <laughs> Kwani, stop it. You, you've gone too <laughs> far already. Gary is so fed up. I'm sorry, I just stopped here trying thought. Run continue. <laughs> have We're they cooled fun. off? Have the heat cooled off? Oh, God. <laughs> I can't. Anyway the question is are they running out of gas you're talking about Kyle Lowry, who is now about to turn thirty. turn 30, is 37 kevin loves in the rotation 30 34 um Jimmy's himself is 33 they got vet guys okay and if you look at the new york series <laughs> offensively they were very they were they were not good 42% from the field 30% from the three point line They won that game with series with defense and hustle. Okay. New York committed about 25 more turnovers in the series. The Heat won that game with the grit and the grind that they want to win this series with. So they won that series with that with the same grit and grind. So the Celtics just have to play solid basketball. And Butler in that New York series, but oh Jimmy carrying them. He shot forty three percent. He he was one for nine from the three point line. Like he was not good from the three. He's not a great three point shooter. Um, you know, and he but he but he was able to get to the free throw line in the six game series fifty three times. Like that's not good for opposing team. That's almost that's nine times a game. So he lived at the line during the and he played. Sorry, he played five games in the series. So he you went to the line 53, 53 times in five games. That's 10.6. So the Celtics cannot foul him like that. They cannot let him live at the line. The next highest free throw total in that series was Bam Adebayo with 27 attempts. Lowry had 19. So they won with free throw shooting, causing turnovers. They were not good. They they were not good offensively in the series. So what the Celtics have to do is play strong defense, and not foul Jimmy Butler. Don't let Jimmy Butler get half of his points or 30% of his points on free throws. That's what the Knicks did. He had one three-pointer in a series. So you know, he, and he had 38 shots, one three-pointer, 46 free throws. So that's the thing about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy was not great offensively, but when you live at the line like that, then you got guys who were helping out and chipping in. Max Truce hit 17 threes in that series. Um, and then Lowry hit 10, Caleb Martin hit 10. You know, Gabe Vincent was not good in that series. Duncan Robinson hit 12, um, but, you know, but the 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 fact this is that Miami's not a good offensive team, okay, especially without Tyra Hero and Victor Oladipo. So the Celtics have, but Butler is going to dirty up and mucky up the game, not dirty in a bad way, but just make it a grinding game with the free throw shooting you know, keeping the score down. Miami wants to win these games 98-92, okay? And that's how they're going to have the advantage in the series if they get to that point. The Celtics have to move the ball. Keeps, don't foul Jimmy Butler, although he's, I said, he's easy, he gets fouls very easily, and then not let Bam bio defensively dominate the series. bio, only had four block shots in the Knicks series. Look at the stats here. So it wasn't like he was killing the rim protection. They only had 22 blocks. Kyle Lowry led, led the Heat in blocks in that New York series. So this is we're not dealing with Joel Embiid in terms of a, the type of center you're talking about. He's more athletic. Um, you know, he can hit that mid-range, but this is a different animal. He's, he's a good defender's player, but he's not, a, not that classic rim protector. So the Celtics have some advantages here, but they also know that Miami's going to play hard. Butler's going to play hard. He's going to play 45 minutes a game. Damn near. I mean, he played he played 41 minutes a game in that New York series. So he's barely going to be off the floor. So they're going to have to win with Jimmy on the floor, but not sending Jimmy to the free throw line.
1: Okay. So to add to that, who do you th- what do you think Bam Adebayo, he's been averaging 18 and nine per game for the heat. What level of concern do you have for him? Because he's basically the next man up when it, when you talk about stature and, you know, what the Miami Heat can produce.
2: Question Rob.
0: The, the thing about Bam is, is that he, he is, in many respects, for Celtics fans, he's what you are hoping that Robert Williams III will develop into. Uh, they have a lot of similarities in terms of athleticism, in terms of being able to not necessarily block every shot, which they have the potential to do, but their presence makes you conscious of their shot blocking ability and makes you a little bit leery of trying to attack and finish at the rim. Uh, but Bam's face-up game is what separates him. But his ability to score facing the basket, I think he's a better player off the dribble uh, than than I think a lot of people give him credit for. But the thing about Bam, he's going to go to his right ninety-nine point nine percent of the time. Newsflash, make the brother go to his left. Let's see what that looks like. And that to me is is part. It, it sounds really basic and fundamental, but he's been in the league long enough to where teams should know, teams know this. Yet they struggle to make that happen. Uh, so the key with Bam is just minimizing his scoring impact because he is one of those guys that's going to get you know second chance opportunities because of his offensive rebounding capability and also you know his, because they got so many different guys out there who have the potential to knock down shots when they've got Duncan Robinson and Strothers out there specifically he may find himself wide open at the free throw line, which is a shot he can knock down with consistency or at the elbow. So he brings a different level of attention that the Celtics have to have at, you know, when he's on the floor, uh, knowing it's not going to be like a heavy dose of what you dealt with Joel Embiid because he's not going to bully ball you the way Joel did. But he is going to be someone that you have to be
2: concerned about. Yeah, I think, I, yeah I think Bam, obviously, a plus defender, Second team all defense, a guy who will pick up all the rebounds and lose balls and score at the rim. Who can hit that short jumper? He's given, uh, and then also a guy in in the bubble. He was able to take the ball up the floor. The put the ball. The adjustment that Spolcher made in the bubble was, he put the ball in Bam's hands, and that's when the Celtics were. You know, their, their centers were Daniel was Daniel Tice, and he just took on Tice one on one drew a foul, or got to the rim every time. So that was my guy, Gary.
0: Yeah, killing my guy
2: like that. Yeah, but the Celtics have to have to watch out for Bam kind of running the offense because that could be a possibility where he they give him the ball and go, okay, Bam, you're athletic enough. Go make a play. Go draw a foul. Go, you know what I'm saying? And and what what are the reactions the Celtics going to be? Is it going to be, you know, trap Bam or get the ball out of his hands and he goes to Max Struess or Duncan Robinson? That's the thing. Robinson's a shooter. Struce is a good shooter. Vincent has always played well against the Celtics. Jimmy's not going to really take threes. He said he took nine in the New York series. He hit one, so you don't have to worry about Jimmy, um, you know, hitting threes. But you do have to worry about Robinson, Struess, and Vincent, and also Kevin Love, and even and obviously Kyle Lowry, who is is a streaky three point shooter. So that's the thing. Miami does not have a great offense. scoring is going to be at the premium here, but I think that they, if they have a defensive adjustment for out of bio in terms of just learning how to get the ball out of his hands, don't let him walk straight. Don't double off of him or lay off of him. One remember that game earlier this season where they had Peyton Pritchard trying to guard him at the free throw line. He just shot over him and made the go ahead basket late in the game. Like just get, don't get caught on these bad switches. Um, you know, blitz him a little bit, get the ball out of his hands. It makes, keep him from getting on the boards and getting 18, 19 rebounds too. Don't let him give them second chance scoring opportunities. You know, this is a different play you're dealing with. This is obviously people are, Oh, now they don't have to place Joel B. it will be even knows not going to be bands more athletic. He's not the score. He's not going to score 35 points or whatever, but he will pull down 19 rebounds. Um, and give his team other second chance opportunities and play good defense. So he's he comes differently. Uh, you know, and then you got Cody Zeller as his backup. You know, Cody's a guy who will just play hard, I guess, you know, not a not a great player, but that's it. The Celtics have more depth and they have more talent. Okay. So that means it goes to coaching and it goes to the other intangibles, hustle, playing hard 100 percent of the time, effort, all that. Celtics match that. They should win the series to me with relative ease because as I said before, you don't know when Miami's going to run out of gas. Like they got a lot of older guys. Are they going to say to themselves, you know what? Our run is, you know, done. Like I remember Denver, you know, beat, beat, uh, came back from 3-1, beat the Clippers in the bubble, faced the Lakers, lost in five. You know, like sometimes a playoff run ends when it ends and you run into a better team. You know, so is this Miami team as good as they were last year? I don't think so, especially without Hero. Um, they've had some problems. I saw them in live play against Atlanta in that playing game. They, they they looked completely disengaged, and then they have flipped the switch. So the question is, can the Celtics get them to be like, damn, we're we're just not good enough, or are they going to give them momentum by coming out lackadaisical in Game One and suddenly Miami's like, oh, okay, y'all going to just give us home court advantage? Okay, well. This is serious now. All depends on the Celtics up here.
1: I love that. So that being said, it sounds like you guys broke down the matchup pretty well. Are there any other factors that you think should be considered when we look at this matchup? Obviously, coaching is not really comparable because you have a a vet versus a rookie coach. But otherwise, what do you think are some other keys to keep an eye out when we watch?
0: Well, I think the Celtics, their role players, have to play their roles and play them well. You know, Derek White, you know, we've seen in the two series that the Celtics have played. Atlanta, he was one of the best players on the floor. And against Philly, he was pretty much a non-factor. So he's a guy that I'm looking to see how does he handle his role. Because, again, he was an all-NBA second-team defensive player, and this is a series where he's going to have to earn that title if the Celtics are going to win. Because they're going to need his perimeter defense against the Max Struises and the Duncan Robinson of the world, because if he's able to help neutralize those two guys, Miami doesn't really have any more options other than those guys in terms of long-range shooting. And Bam out bio is a really good score. Uh, not a great one, a good one, but between Al and Robert Williams, I feel pretty good about him not having a 2020 type of game in this series. And so if you're neutralizing the perimeter guys and you're neutralizing their one inside score, Jimmy Butler is the one wild card. And if those other two things aren't playing at a high level, the heat are very much like the team that Gary talked about that we saw in the playing game. Uh, they're not very good. So there you go.
2: Yeah. I think the key, uh, like, like Shara says, like the, I think the white broad in combination, like what kind of lift brought can give them offensively coming off the bench and then, when White comes off the bench, what he gives them. And also, like, there's got to be particularly maybe in particular an eighth person. Like, is it Grant Williams, Stam Hauser, even a Peyton Pritchard? Like, I don't know if with games every other day, do you go only seven deep? Okay. And how long do you, how many minutes do you give Tatum and Brandon? Are you going to play them 42 minutes per game? Now, you might want to, you know, but if you're in control of the series, maybe it changes. I don't know. But I think that maybe an eighth man comes here into the into the into the uh, fray here and attempts to, to helps out. If it's Hauser hitting threes, spreading the floor, getting those guys to to to, have to spread out. The problem with the Knicks in the last series was the Knicks couldn't score other than Jalen Brunson. R.J. Barrett was awful. Julius Randle was awful. Like their score, they didn't show up. Their their main guys didn't show up. And then all the games became grimy and dirty and the, and the heat was better at being grimy and dirty. Many of you I said, well, look at the numbers. Julius Randle shot 41% in the series, 18 points, 28% from the three point line. The Knicks were just not good. 63 three pointers overall in six games. Um, you know, they just weren't Josh Hart uh, was 23% for the three point line. Like nobody, I look at this series, nobody played all that well, except for Jalen Brunson. And especially in the closeout game where Brunson had 41, I think his teammates had like 50 or 55 or something like that. So, or 51. So to me, the Celtics have more depth than the Knicks, but it, they're going to need some contributions from the Hauser or a Grant Williams, um, White and Brogdon. So maybe they go nine deep, eight deep, I think the bench is going to be key here. You know, get, take some pressure off Tatum and Brown, because we all know Spolster is going to come up with some defenses, confusing defenses, where Tatum and Brown might not be able to go for 40. But if your other guys are knocking threes off the bench, getting to the rim, getting those guys in foul trouble, they don't have a whole lot of depth. So foul trouble on their side is very important. Adebayo is prone to prone to fouls. Okay. So that, that that's another key component. You know, uh, in this game, in the series, is can you get uh, take out of bio off the court? Can you get him into a little bit of foul trouble? If that's the case, and then now you got Cody Zeller coming off the bench, then obviously uh, that's an advantage, Celtics.
1: There you have it. And so, for those who don't know yet, I'm sure you've seen it by now, but game one is on two, Wednesday, game two is on Friday, game three is on Sunday, game four. Tuesday. We'll probably meet by then. All 830 games. Obviously, you can check in with us next week. We'll have a recap as to everything that has gone down since we last spoke. Rayshard Blakely and Gary Washburn. I'm Quanee Lunas. This is the A-List podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. Oh, by the way, I do have to shout out Roger. Ran into him at a game watch party at game six. He listens to the A-List podcast. Thank you specifically for listening, but all of you as well. Thank you.